0: Brian Broadus, Patrick Walker, and Derek Eagleton.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Break. Uh, Derek is nowhere to be found right now, so we're just going <laughs> gonna go ahead and start the show. We got Patrick and Brian here, and I wanted to start the show uh, just like Derek always does, asking about injury. updates and where we're at currently right now. Patrick, do you have that for us?
2: I do. Uh, So first and foremost it sounds as if Rico Dowdle who suffered what's described as a hip contusion in the blowout win over the Patriots he left in the third quarter, didn't return. Sounds like he dodged a bullet um, and he is expected to potentially be limited in practice on Wednesday. So great news there, especially when you consider Rico lost the entirety of 2021 with the hip Mm -hmm. injury. That's what they were concerned about. Sounds like he uh, he's not going to miss much time, if any time, but we'll see if he misses this 49ers game. But it's not a long-term injury, I'm told. Zach Martin suffered a quad injury uh, against the Patriots. He was moving well in the locker room in the post game. Uh, Mike McCarthy said that he's expected to be a limited participant on Wednesday as well. Obviously, Martin returned this past Sunday for from the ankle injury that held him out in Arizona. Tyron Smith, knee injury. Uh, owner and general manager Jerry Jones said this morning on 105.3FM, the fan that uh, Tyron is iffy. For Sunday against the Cardinals, Mike McCarthy yesterday said that Tyron would start out in the rehab group. They'll see how he looks on Wednesday after that, and then they'll try to ramp him up to limited participation. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I know a lot of people want to know about Michael Parsons. He had his knee and ankle kind of banged up uh, against the Patriots, but again, he was moving well as well. Mike McCarthy said specifically there's no concern there, um, but there's a good likelihood that he'll be limited on Wednesday as well. Wouldn't be surprised if Parsons and Martin are DNP. I Something that Jerry said about Martin that kind of stuck out to me, which was uh, as the Cowboys start uh, installing these veteran rest days, maybe Zach gets a veteran rest day on on uh, on Wednesday. Maybe Micah gets the same. So that's the latest on the injury front. Um, not too bad, but we're kind of still in a wait-and-see pattern for a lot of these guys.
1: Which seems to be the trend uh, yeah. since the season started. We, we wait and see what happens. We wait on game day. Okay, we'll go ahead and and switch subjects right now and talk about some of the opponents in the NFL and see what's going on. Last night, we we know that the Giants played against the Seahawks and they lost (laughs) that game.
2: They played? (laughs) Well, they were there. They (laughs) were there.
1: They they physically showed up there there and they were on the field. But uh, they lost to the Seahawks 24-3. Right now... um, which I always see on the NFL puts it out. There's there are only two teams that are currently undefeated, which are the 49ers and the Eagles. Mm-hmm. So we know tomorrow we'll turn the page and start looking into the 49ers and that whole matchup. But in the meantime, NFC East, what overview do you guys have currently in the first? 4 weeks of the season as to what's happening with the Eagles and everybody else in the NFCs. You know
3: what I am really surprised that Ron Rivera has the nickname Riverboat Ron. <laughs> he, didn't he didn't go for it. And he didn't go for it. He had he had a chance right there. His team f- fights back. Uh, they get a they get a touchdown as the 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 final gun is sounding. You know, Ron, you got to go for the two there. Your team has th- done everything to get back in that game. You don't need to hear about being tired on drives and things like that. You had a chance to go beat a team on the road, leading the division. Go get a two-point conversion in that game right now. I always get on these coaches about knowing the condition of their teams, you know. And Ron's saying, "Well, my team was gassed; I, they couldn't run." You, you know, you had momentum at that mm-hmm. point, you know, and you had a chance. You were a road underdog in a division game. You know, find a way to end that thing right then and there. And that's that's the disappointing thing right now. I, I just – because I, I thought for sure when they scored that touchdown that they were going for two. Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron, he's mm-hmm. going to go for it here. And he sends the extra point team in and I go, sir, you just lost the game right there. You know, and, and, you, and you wonder. These coaches, it comes down to it. at the end of the year, new ownership with the, the Commanders. I'm sorry, we lost too many games this year. Well, you're going to probably look back at that, and maybe that was the one game that was going to get you, push you forward in the division. You know, you're going to look back, and Washington plays the Eagles great. Every year they play them great. They don't always win, but they play them great. Mm-hmm. That was a missed opportunity. For the commanders to put themselves back into the conversation uh, with uh, what's going on in the NFC East, I agree. I mean, all things considered, you you've got
2: to go for two after that. I mean, they, you know, you talk about the, the what would have been the game-winning drive that ended with the AJ Brown touchdown reception from um, from Jalen Hurts, which was you talk about riverboat. Yeah, and, you know, that was the Philadelphia Eagles saying, you know what, we're not playing for a field goal; we're playing to, to end this game. Right. And then you see Sam Howe and you know the offense they they march down the field. You get that touchdown, and you're sitting there. And if Fourth there, and two. You right. Can, and if could, be, yeah. if yeah. you're the Washington Commanders in the sideline, you're sitting there like, you know, even if this ends badly, we feel good about this. Yeah. And, yeah. and if we're going to go down, we're going to go down swinging. Exactly. But they didn't go down swinging. He he goes for the extra point, gets it. But now you're taking the risk in overtime because you just saw that your, your defense was having a hard time on that final offensive drive of right. the Eagles stopping them. So this is what you're hoping for? So, yeah, didn't like that at all. I mean, it was a—, a massively missed opportunity for Rivera and the Washington Commanders. And and then when you talk talk about the New York Giants, I mean, there's still a lot of football to be played, but I mean, I think all of us believe that the Giants would be more competitive through the first quarter of the season than what we've seen. Um, 40-0, to I'll take that all day for the Cowboys versus Giants, but you don't anticipate that they'll go in uh, on their own field against the Seahawks, which are a competitive team, right. nothing taken away from the Seahawks. I think they can make some waves as a Tier 2 team in the NFC. Uh, but 24-3, 11 sacks, three turnovers by your quarterback. You know, the, the decision, the 97-98 the yard Uh, Pick six. I mean, you can't make those throws. You can't make those decisions. So and then you see Brian Dable on the sideline uh, getting ignored by Daniel Jones and then ultimately throwing his iPad into the bench. I mean, they got a lot of trouble in New York. So when it comes to the NFC East, I mean, we knew it would be um, the Eagles and the Cowboys vying for that top spot. But you thought you'd see more, uh, better decision-making from the commanders and just more competitiveness competitiveness from the Giants in general, and you're just not yeah. seeing it.
3: Their offensive line is bad. We saw that firsthand mm-hmm. in week Eleven. Yeah, six. how bad. And they, and they had a lot of injuries happen throughout. And that's what happens. You fall apart, but it's also the dangers of paying your quarterback, too. You know, now you're in a situation where probably with the Giants, there's, you know, there's questions about playing, yeah. playing that quarterback. Yeah. And <laughs> sometimes it's, that's, yeah. it's
1: hard to get out of that yeah. hole yeah. once yeah. it's done. Absolutely. Well, yep. the
4: Giants, it's not for a lack of trying. Like, they've spent some significant draft yep. capital on that mm-hmm. offensive line, and it just hadn't gotten better. So yep. I don't know if they're going to, how they're going to fix that. Like, that's part of the problem is you've already spent it the is. capital, yep. those guys aren't playing up to par and you spent the money on the quarterback and maybe he's not playing up to par so right. that seems like a really tough mountain to climb
2: and uh, you don't know f- what's going to happen in you know a year from now with Saquon
4: Barkley which is the, the center point of your offense
2: uh,
4: good luck yeah All right, we're going to take our first break When we come back I have a mm. game for you guys we're going to play a little first quarter recap we're at mm. the first quarter point of the season the first quarter is done and I have some questions for you guys to to help wrap that thing up we'll do when we come back dallascowboys.com radio
2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Back to the break.
3: Okay, where are we at? We're on a Tuesday today. Dallas Cowboys game time powered by what's our company called? Le, uh, Lenovo. Lenovo, oh, yeah. Lenovo. Always make sure to get Lenovo Love right Le- there. Le- yeah, Lenovo. The official gaming platform and community of the Dallas Cowboys. Sign up now to compete in the Madden 24 for a chance to win two tickets and VIP experience to the 2023 Dallas Cowboys home game. Qualifiers begin on October 6th and run through the 13th. Learn more and register at DallasCowboysGameTime.com. Welcome back. It is the second segment of The Breakthrough, live from the SWBC Mortgage
4: Studios at the start. the segment brought to you by Blockchain.com. There we go. All right. Um, Real quick, good luck to our Rangers tonight. I just want to give a little love. Brian's got on his Ranger shirt. I I thought you were going to say some negative things. Our hometown baseball
3: team. Good luck in the the playoffs. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, I thought you were going to get on me. I've I've been in a fight uh, the last uh, 24 hours with people from Houston. So I thought you were going to come in here and give me some of this. <laughs> Look, uh, no Listen, man, I'm He's from not Houston. a
1: Houston guy anymore.
3: No, I'm definitely. a Houston He's a Houston guy. guy. No, it, he'll he'll break out and love it you blue up, on you. It. it only shows up. It oh, only really? shows up in I basketball
4: season. That. Like I'm more of a Rockets fan uh, yeah. than I was. Okay. Now I will. I will say when I was a kid, that was the. Bit, I love the Astros. I was yeah. a huge Astros fan when I was a kid. You know, Good team. Sardino and Jose Cruz and Mike Scott. All those guys. Like I loved the Astros when I was a kid, but I haven't really kept up with it like that since I've been an adult. But. Yeah. Good luck to the Rangers. Good luck to the Rangers. To see today. what they yeah. do here in the There's playoffs. a lot of
3: great cross-promotion stuff. I think these... Teams in, in the DFW really look out for each other, yeah. When yeah. They, and their yeah. their their stars uh, they they cross paths. Absolutely, you mm-hmm. see, you know the Mavs, the Rangers stars, but yeah, thank it's you for that. Thing. Appreciate yeah, that. Uh, yeah, it, it should be some fun. Today. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. We got our first quarter recap. We have
4: finished the first four games of the season, and so I've got some questions for you guys that'll hopefully make you think a little bit and uh, make you uh, give some some good analytical <laughs> answers to these questions. Let's start first with what you think was the most impressive victory you got at New York, forty to nothing you got versus New York Jets 30 to 10 and you've got versus New England 38 to three. What was most impressive? Ooh, God, it's,
2: it's a close one between week four and week one. Um, Given what we just saw with the Giants, I'm going to go with 38 to three against a Bill Belichick <laughs> yeah. led team. I, I'm going to go. I mean, yeah, this was a no
3: brainer for yeah, me. Right? <laughs> I, I was. I was going. to of competition. If the yeah. Giants
2: had played well last night, and I mean, it was on their field, a season opener, both teams coming in with a bunch of hype and pur- mm-hmm. uh, hype you know, pumping circumstance, then you could say that. Hyperbole. Yeah, they, something <laughs> like that. Yeah, they, I can't they, spell it though. They they lay the uh, they lay the egg yesterday, and it's just like, oh, that's gross. Um, but anytime you go against a Bill Belichick led team, yeah. um, you you just anticipate you're going to be in a dog fight and that's what the cowboys are yeah. typically in when they play belichick you talk about what happened back um in new england with you know it took overtime and the game winning drive and throw they ended up with Dak prescott with the calf strain and cd lamb and the wave goodbye and yeah. that's the kind of dramatics you typically feel like it'll take to get over bill belichick but to hand him the worst loss of his nfl career for me that is by far the most impressive one so far this season so keep that going
3: yeah, rubber stamp that everything he just said. I mean, yeah. I didn't think they were going to block him all that great. I didn't think they were going to be able to score a lot of points. Uh, they turned their guy over. Uh, they they really embarrassed the New England Patriots. They beat him up physically too, you know. So yeah, that by far. Anytime you beat the guy who's that might take him. He's got 18 more wins before he passes Don Shula. It might take him 18 years to get there, you know. But eventually, <laughs> At this we, rate. yeah, eventually <laughs> he's going to. Uh, eventually, he is going to be the all-time winningest coach in NFL history. We think, but yeah, uh, you, you take that guy to the to the mat the way they did, in the in the fashion they did, mm-hmm. is even more mm-hmm. impressive.
1: Agree, and especially after an embarrassing loss the week prior against the Cardinals, yes. I think. Uh, Uh, different aspects of the game just look good. You had uh, special teams, everything that they did, as opposed to, uh, I mean... He's only missed one kick, uh, one extra point and that was the first week. And so, okay, now in this one it was completely clean. I wish we would have seen the 66 I yarder. See it. That would have been fun. I wanted to see it. Yes. I just wanted a streak yes. to be broken. I just wanted to see it. But uh different areas of the game, uh everything that defense did uh, with the running game, uh the run defense and also the offense that we were able to see more out of this week from as opposed to the first two weeks. So, yeah, uh, I think all in all, in general, everything that they did was a lot more productive in a way than what we saw in prior weeks.
4: Okay, question number two. Who has been the better offensive player between these three? C.D. Lamb, Tony Pollard, or Tyler Smith? Mm.
1: Or Tyler Smith?
4: One of those three, which you think has been the better offensive player?
1: Pollard.
2: I'm, I'm going to take Tyler out of it simply because he missed the first couple of games. But he's so, been so good. I know he's too. been so damn good. Right. But availability matters. Um, so for me, it's between Pollard and CD, and I just think Pollard has been the more consistent Of the two, I think CD is playing at a high level. Um, Obviously, saw what he did against the Jets and kind of a downturn against the Cardinals. A solid game against the Patriots, but if you look at the first four games for the Cowboys, I mean, Tony Pollard has really been that steady hand. You know, he's uh, near the top in the league as far as touches and you know efficiency when he touches the ball. So for me, I'm going to go with Tony Pollard. It's
3: Pollard, yeah. And and to your point, what Patrick was talking about is absolutely right. If 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 Smith had played all the games, you would probably throw him in that mix. I I love. what you did by adding him, I think it made everybody pause. That's the whole idea right there with that. but the thing with Paul nice Ard- you could even watch him <laughs> you could even watch him with um, some of the blitz pickup stuff like he crossed the pocket the other day. they had a pass that got out and he crosses the pocket. they got a blitz coming off the off his right side. And he sees it and gets over Usually when you cross the pocket in front of the quarterback, there's problems. He did it with – he was clean. It was, it was right in good position. He finishes. They're throwing the ball. He's running the ball. They're, he's pass blocking. He's really a, com- a complete back for you.
1: Even in this last game, him running up the middle and just finding those little holes and getting up there. And I think it's more impressive just given the unknown that we initially had coming into the season, him coming off the injury, wondering if he will be able to play that way after recovering, because we've seen it with different players, even Michael Gallup yeah. last year, you know that takes some time. And I think he's been effective right off the bat, and he's done a really nice job uh, for now taking yeah. the role that he has.
3: The Cowboys have got to make some hay while he's still healthy. Mm-hmm. The next, you know, the, you know the, the first 12 weeks of the season. Yeah. Those last five weeks of the season are going to be tough on him. And they're going to have to figure out, especially at this rate, yeah, how to navigate that part. Right now, I could say I think running backs are good for about twelve weeks, and then you better figure out the next five.
4: Yep. All right, let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. Who has been the better defensive player, not named Michael Parsons? I'll give you a few uh, a few names: Demarcus Lawrence, Deron Bland. Osa Odigizua. (laughs) Feel free to throw in another name if you choose, but it cannot be Michael Parsons. Michael Parsons, because we know Michael Parsons has been the best player on this team through the first four games of the season. Ooh, we? Demarcus Lawrence. Um, the most consistent of
2: the ones you've named. And I could also throw Osa in there as consistency as well. But when you look at uh, Deron Bland and, you know, he had kind of an off game in his first game at boundary outside of Diggs when in Arizona um, had a magnificent game against the Patriots, but, over the totality of the first quarter. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence, he's getting pressures as a pass rusher. He's moving around. He's on the left side. He's on the right side, impacting the run defense. Um, still one of the best run run defenders at edge in the entire NFL, still operating at a Pro Bowl level. So all very worthy names there, especially Osa. I do love me some 0097, but I'm going with Tank on this one.
1: Uh, great names. <laughs> <laughs> um, i I would say... Okay, there has been some inconsistency, especially after Trevon Diggs left and what happened in Arizona with the defense and the Mm -hmm. secondary. There has been inconsistency with Deron Bland, but all in all, I think he's done such a good job. Um, He's taken a jump from even last year, which last year he was thrown in there right off the bat and he was able to pick it up right away. And I was talking to you, Derek, during the game, not that I had a prejudgment, but I kinda did, and we all do. Um, but the first mm. time I met him, uh, this is before he ever played anything for mm-hmm. us. First time I met him, Media Day, I saw him. He was such a baby like He's baby face, so nice kind of a shy soft voice, you know, Wyatt, yeah. super shy. And this is and I know we're not supposed to judge nobody. Don't judge a book <laughs> by its cover, but we're humans and we automatically <laughs> do it. Uh, and I was just like in my head, kind of like, okay, what, what is this guy going to do? Like, I don't want you know? Yeah. What is it really? That's mean. I know it, Brian.
4: but <laughs> Brian's got that judgment did, look on yes, his face. Like, yes, yes.
1: But, <laughs> but I did it, and he was amazing. Right switch. off the bat, even, even at practice. So, again, it's one of those that I in a way feel so proud of him and for everything that he's been able to accomplish and just the kind of man he turns into when he steps on the field and what he does he and not just like defending but it's like getting your hands on the ball and mm-hmm. and ball awareness ball hawk, I think is the term mm-hmm. that it people is, use. Yeah. And him being able to be so focused and, and aware of everything that happens on the field, I think he's done an excellent job.
3: His toughness is going to help you this weekend yeah. against San Francisco. Yes, these, these receivers are kind no joke. Yeah, there's no joke. You better be, you know, and, and and to be honest with you too about him, it's a home game for him being from in that Fresno area, that California mm-hmm. area. So, yeah, it, it's going to be, uh, but it's Osa. Osa's is the one. Osa has come in through training camp and 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 carried it over to what the the, the the regular season been. He's been absolutely on the screws when it comes to being consistent with his pass rush, the the disruptive t- snaps we've seen him in the running game. How quick he's playing, how he's playing with power. He is just one of these guys that when you see him on the field, and there's usually if there's a negative play, 97 is usually involved in the play. And, you know, is I, I love what Tank's been able to do. I kind of feel like Tank looks at, uh, you know, everybody talks about what Parsons does. And there was one time where Tank was Parsons. And I mean that in a way of your primary pass rush yes. and all that. So with Parsons doing what he does, it's kind of allowed Tank to kind of step back and then show you like, okay, well, listen, young fella can really rush the passer. Watch me play run defense. Watch me, uh, you know, rush the passer. Watch me be a complete player. But I think that three technique spot has really been solidified by the w- how well osa has been playing. Question number four: Bigger surprise, Brandon Aubrey or Chuma Idoga? <laughs> Adoga for me, because I, I didn't see anything at training camp that was uh, that led me to believe that he was going to be more than just an okay tackle. And he's shown he's, he was a bad right tackle in practice. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, it, and it wasn't just Micah Parsons and guys like that that were rushing. Anybody that was a right or a left defensive end in training camp was having some success. I had my complete doubts about him. It's the second offensive lineman that I've had doubts about second tackle when you look at uh, Steele mm-hmm. as well. But Adoga has come in here, and I'll tell you what, they passed twist stunts. He's been good on the, uh, you know, his base. His run blocking has been good. Uh, man, I, I was really worried in this game because I, I felt like that, that New England had some legitimate edge rushers, and he held up just fine.
2: Brandon Albrey. I, I do. I agree that uh, Chumidoga has been a pleasant surprise. He was a pleasant surprise at guard, even more so at left tackle, because yeah. we had some concerns about him at left tackle. But when you talk about Brandon Aubrey, he, he walks into a situation where in the Cowboys, they part ways with Brett Maher, and once again, they're back at square one at the kicker position. So they make these moves. You trade for Cooks on the offensive side. You trade for Gilmore on the defensive side. And everybody's like, oh, everything's looking great except for kicker. So then we're in training camp and we're dodging footballs, right? And then we see the <laughs> we see the blue white blue white practice and it's Vizcaino and uh, Aubrey both basically just looking very very abysmal. And then Vizcaino gets released, Arby starts trending upward yeah. through the preseason. And then we're like, okay, regular season, here we go. He misses the first extra point. Oh, here we go yeah. again. He hasn't missed a single thing since. Not a single (laughs) thing. Including kickoffs. Including kickoffs. 96.6% touchback rate. 13 for 13 field goals. And in that 13 for 13, you have one that's over 50 yards. We almost got to see if he could make a 66-yarder. So, I mean, he's shattered the Dan Bailey record for, and just a franchise record for, most consecutive uh, kicks made to start an NFL career. And just, I mean, that rookie is really, really taking off. I mean, he took my confidence meter. (laughs) <laughs> From one percent to ninety, and I'm still I'm not I'm not even at ninety one yet because I feel like I'm firm at ninety.
3: What were you at ninety percent that I was kind of arguing with you? About? Um, Who was, you were ninety percent. I don't even remember. What I it think was. it was
2: after week two. Yeah, and but I don't remember had, what it was. Yeah, No, it was just the confidence. If it was confidence. about the kicker, about the I appreciate your kickers. confidence meter. I appreciate your confidence meter about Absolutely. the kicker Absolutely. <laughs> 90 So we're, I think we, may, we might be at like 90.5 right now. Because okay, once at, you get to 90, you don't, getting, it's, it's difficult to to get the rest yeah, of that. He can't at, get 100% hey, until after the postseason. I'm at it's 100% for
3: you right now, right? Yeah,
2: listen, I'm PTSD from my I need to see it in the postseason as well. So he can't get 100% confidence from me until he does in the postseason. But Brandon Aubrey, that's that's my surprise.
1: Uh, Yeah, uh, they're both good options. But for me, I would have to say Chuma, just because there's a lot to say when and a lot of credit to be given to someone that can consistently keep getting up and fighting back uh, and putting in that work. Sometimes it it gets to you and, you know, constantly getting beat Beat down, and that happened a lot at training camp. And he's put in the work, and it shows. But more so than Chuma, I would say I would mention the whole O line and all the backups right now because I truly, because I've seen it in the past. I have this memory of like as soon as one guy, two, and now you're telling me three starters are out, we're done. And that was not the case. So credit to the coaching staff um, for making preparing these guys quote-unquote, the right way, because they're still, uh, we know they needed to be given extra practice to be even more prepared when it comes, and they haven't been perfect. But uh, I think they've done a really nice job and, and really impressive to see Chuma just keep going and keep grinding. grinding. That was Sorry, my tongue twister there.
4: Question number five. Who would have the greater impact if they were either more involved or their play improved? Here are the options. Brandon Cooks, Hunter Lipke, or Luke Schoonmaker? Brandon Cooks.
2: We haven't seen Brandon Cooks unleashed in this offense yet. And I think that's a a large. I think once it happens, you're going to see just how prolific this offense can be. I mean, yeah, they're moving between the 20s exceptionally well. The issue primarily is the red zone. Um, But that also goes to getting Cooks involved in that area as well. I just think that, you know, he came back from missing that one game in the injury and he's still early in the process, didn't play preseason. Obviously, most of the key starters didn't. And I just feel like once Cooks is truly unleashed, it's going to be hell on earth for opposing defenses.
3: Yeah, I think it is Cooks. Yeah, Cooks is the one guy to me that I'm kind of waiting for him to, uh, you know, when we you study on the next-gen stuff, you look at the routes and things like that. they got to find a way. There's some routes that he's running down the field, and he has been open. I just, uh, you know, the, the ball, the schoonmaker – I know that I, I have a lot of love for Schoonmaker because I, I, I said it before, and you're right, Patrick. We, I, you mentioned it yesterday. I think Michigan held him back, but he's got to make some plays for you. Mm-hmm. He's got to make the catches. I think he had a bad luck on the goal line when Bentley tipped the ball. I think that was going to be a potential catch for him and you know, kind of get back into good graces there. But get Cooks going in this offense, and you'll have something really,
1: really unique. Well, I said this the other day. Cooks is the one guy I've been freaking dying to see <laughs> go at it go off this year yep. since training camp every see everything I saw from him at training camp I freaking loved and I haven't seen it uh, so that's who I think would just make the offense be a lot a lot more dynamic and just open up open things up for you a lot more just because now your deal defenses will have to deal with taking him into a and it's just it it will elevate your offense a whole new level.
4: I'm actually really shocked that all three of you guys went with cooks because Patrick you kind of alluded to it. Really this team is not having a big problem moving the balls moving mm-hmm. the ball yeah. from the twenty to the twenty. They're having a problem in the red zone. And both of those two guys that neither one of you guys mentioned, Schoonmaker, Lepke, can both possibly at their very best of what you think they can be could maybe help you in the red zone. So I'm kind of shocked y'all didn't say that one, just because that's the area where I think they need the most help. And so if you want to talk about greatest impact, I think they may provide the best impact for this team.
3: Well, it's funny, but you say that because the pass that he tried to throw to the pass in the red zone he tried to fit between the cover two to Schoonmaker, if he throws the ball to the right, it's a touchdown to Cooks. To Cooks? (laughs) Yeah, and there you go. Cooks is open. I mean, it's just just, Dax like – all right, it's cover two, and I'm going to trust my guy to get between those two safeties. And, and he threw the ball where it needs to be. Oh, he threw, absolutely threw the ball. But if but if he says, mm, maybe next time I'm going to throw it. Cooks, Cooks has found a way to get open. Mm-hmm. Cooks is due for one of those Michael Gallup games where it's yeah. six, seven catches mm-hmm. and some pretty good yardage behind. Now
2: it's a yeah. good weekend to do it for the California
4: kid. No, they're going to need that this week. They need every bit of
1: everything up gonna,
4: against this
2: team. Can we get,
1: postpone the game to another, like down the road? No, so I'm ready. What? Let's go. For a
4: while.
2: Let's go. I
1: need this offense to kind of no, it. find its way a little be- this, this a little is, more. It, I
4: think this is where it gets found.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I agree
2: this, I think you. this week is Either,
1: either it gets found. Either it honest. gets found,
4: or we find out that maybe this is going to be a problem. You're going right. to find out something. Because you're going to find out something. Because let's also be clear, and I don't want to get too far ahead, but— this is the easier part of the Cowboys schedule. If you haven't looked at what the Cowboys schedule looks like post-Thanksgiving, oh, I know. it is a murderer's row. <laughs> yes, like it is. Every single week you're going to be playing playoff-caliber teams, <laughs> some Super Bowl-caliber teams. And so you better be making hay right looks now. And, same, and I think we're going to find out this weekend a lot about this team. All right, we're going to take our final break. We're going to come back. I do have a couple more questions before we get to, to Labco. We'll yep. do that also in the final segment. We'll be back. DallasCowboys.com Radio.
5: car because they're faster than you think. Take 5, the official oil change of the Dallas Cowboys. It's the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black, and right now Cowboys fans can get 15% off their $75 order. Plus, because every deal needs a playmaker, your order will include a free 5-piece skincare set and free shipping. The Jack Black playmaker is four of Jack's favorites and a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Make a play for the playmaker at getjackblack.com/cowboy
4: To the break.
3: All right, here we go. Mark your calendars and get your Lederhosen and Steins ready. Frisco Oktoberfest officially returns for their fourth annual celebration on Saturday, October seventh, at the Star of Frisco, featuring. Bavarian-inspired activities, delicious food and drink, plenty of uh, great live entertainment. Visit the dot com slash events for more info.
4: Welcome back to the final segment of the break. Life from SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. I will tell you one thing: I'm looking forward to seeing Amber. I'm looking at this video screen, and they're showing highlights of this Puka Nakua in uh, with the Rams. I'm looking forward to seeing him in person because what he's doing right now with the Rams is just outstanding is fast. for any receiver. But but for it to be a rookie receiver, it's just it's
3: on a whole different yeah, level. Yeah, his, his also
2: that's a top five name in the NFL. Yeah, I love
3: yeah. It. He's, cool. uh, I like his it. his deal too is where you know and you, and you got a coach that understands how to use him. Yeah. Because you know that that's that, that I, I love what Sean McVay does with moving his guys around and, and trying to create mismatches, mm-hmm. and he makes it really easy on your receivers to to go get the football because he's running you open. In a lot of those, uh, a lot of those snaps.
4: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Cooper Cup is back by that game as well. If yeah. you got to deal with Nakua and Cup, who that's yeah. gonna be that's gonna be one of those days where it's gonna we'll be see how good tough Ron sled. Bland is that day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, uh, Patrick, I want to get to Lab Coat. Make sure you got some time for that. We might come back to the questions that we still had left, but I want to get to Lab Coat. So take it away. All right, Lab Coat Beamer, bring me in.
0: Yes, science! Let's
2: go. Let's do it. Okay, so this week's segment of Lab Coat, we're going to focus on the numbers 67 and 37. Now, uh, when I went into looking into these two teams, the Cowboys and the 49ers, I wanted to see if perception matched reality. Perception is that the 49ers are far and away better than the Cowboys' offense. And I don't know that that's necessarily the truth, but let's see what the numbers bear out. So I wanted to look at what defenses the 49ers have faced, what they average points per game, takeaways per game. Uh, And this is where Cowboys and 49ers are neck and neck because both of the teams that or all of the teams they faced averaged exactly 25 I'm sorry 26 points per game and less than one takeaway so that's kind of a wash there so then you say okay we're where are the advantages for the Cowboys, if any? Well, then you start looking at QB to QB. Everybody's rolling with the Brock Purdy train, rightfully so. He's undefeated. He's done well since he's come into the league. The injury notwithstanding in the conference championship. But here are the numbers. Dak Prescott, 908 passing yards. Brock Purdy, 1019. Not too far, but edge to Purdy there. Four touchdowns for Dak Prescott to five touchdowns for Purdy. That's almost a wash, especially when you consider the schoolmaker drop. One interception for Dak, no interceptions for Brock Purdy. Let's say that so a for the most part. Dak was sacked six times through four games. Purdy sacked seven times. That's kind of a wash, too. Here's where it really gets interesting. Dak has not fumbled the ball once. Purdy has fumbled the ball four times. He's only lost it once, but he has trouble protecting that ball when he's under pressure and he's getting knocked around. So then where really is the advantage other than those possible fumbles the Cowboys can get? It's red zone. So thanks for that that segue from last segment. Red zone, red zone, red zone. 49ers are ranked seventh in the NFL. They are 67% mm. with uh, proficiency in the red zone. Cowboys are third worst at 37%. <laughs> yeah. That's where the two magic numbers come in, 67-37. If the Cowboys can flip that or even improve upon their 37% uh, in San Francisco, they have a fantastic chance of winning this game, especially with, like I said, Purdy. He'll put the ball on the ground if you knock him around a bit. Here's what's also promising though. Cowboys are 44% in the red zone on the road. Kind of weird that they're better on the road than at home, but guess where they are this weekend? On the road. So, Cowboys do uh, a good bit better in the red zone when they're playing on away turf or away grass. So, I expect the Cowboys to improve in that capacity this week as well. And if that happens, then yeah, Cowboys have a fantastic chance of walking away with a message win against the San Francisco 49ers.
4: 67 37, those are the two numbers to watch. One thing I would be interested in knowing is what is the Cowboys' defense? Uh, percent, efficiency percentage of opponents in That's the a red good zone. question. That I would tell that. me a lot about, you know, you, we know obviously that they're hitting that 67% yep. uh, the, the 49ers are, but where are the Cowboys from the standpoint of you know, stopping now teams? We, now, like, the interesting part is, doesn't seem like the Cowboys let teams get in the red zone very much these first four <laughs> weeks. They're not even getting in the red zone. Uh, it's either feast or famine. They got a big play or they don't get in the red zone, yep. right? But uh, but I wouldn't be interested to see that. It might be something you want to kind of check yeah, out. Yeah, I'm going to and dig see into that. See what that, that, I'm see going what to start that looks like now that. that you got next-gen stats.
1: They let me in. They oh, let me in.
4: They let me in. I, I, I will Also, add one final thing. And
1: yeah.
2: I know Brian would love to tag on this. and yeah. He'll probably touch on this in the scouting report also. Um, when you look at the defenses that each offense has gone against, edge to the Cowboys. Cowboys have, oh, they're averaging two more takeaways per game than are the 49ers mm-hmm. defense. And the 49ers defense is allowing almost five more points per game. So those edges go to the Cowboys as well.
3: I was just looking at next-gen. I love doing this yeah, stuff. great, the, the one that, The one that got my attention right off the jump was the 49ers have generated the third highest pressure rate at 42% when sending only four pass rushers this season. Mm, mm.
2: They, don't so they don't
3: have to blitz They don't have to blitz. Yeah, and they don't let you throw the ball in the middle of the field, which Dallas really hasn't tried very much. So those are a couple of things but we'll talk about. I wonder how much Bosa accounts for that percentage. Probably actually, about 80% of actually, that. Actually, only, uh, Micah has generated 103 uh, pressures. Uh-huh. More, he's generated 103. Nick Bosa has 93 over the last two seasons. So Micah is generating more pressures than Nick Bosa the last two seasons. And there we go. go. There we go. All right. Dude, I have, my
1: hand, my heart some, is already racing. My hands some are soul. sweaty.
3: Yeah,
4: they got some, they got some good players on both sides, on both teams for this game. That's why it's going to be such a fun game to watch. All right. I do have a couple more questions. We'll see if we can get one or two here before we end the show. Which is more concerning problem for you? The red zone offense. Mm-hmm the rush defense, or the offensive line health? Red zone
2: offense. Um, The offensive line health, I think they've knock on wood.
4: They've gotten through the worst of it for the most part. I don't knock on wood. The reason why I look like that is because going into the season, we all knew at the age that Tyron is, and you may even start to say the same thing about Zach as time goes on, But when you have older offensive linemen, you have to factor in health. And so that's what I'm saying. As you're going forward and you're projecting through the rest of the season, is that a concern?
2: Should it be a concern? I think it would be more of a concern, and it, it is a concern. So let me be clear on that. But I think it would be more of a concern if we weren't rightfully having the conversation about Chuma Idoga yeah. being a pleasant surprise. Brock Hoffman in, in Arizona, you know, playing well for the most part. TJ Bass mm-hmm. playing well for the most part. I would be more concerned if those younger guys and those backups weren't able to step in. But when you talk about uh, and run defense, not as concerned. There is a concern when you see a game like Arizona where you're like, OK, consistency is this going to continue to be an issue? But three out of four games, they've locked down the run game. So I'm not worried about that as much as I would be. Red zone offense, until we see it, we haven't seen it. Red zone efficiency, until we see it, we haven't seen it. And I'm of the mindset, I'll say it again, it's not necessarily the play calling as much as it is the lack of execution. The decision making down there in the red zone, as far mm-hmm. as players are concerned. If he go, if that goes to Cooks, that's a touchdown. When yeah. schoolmaker gave him a dot, that was a fantastic pass, but schoolmaker didn't bring that down. And then you go from there. So for me, I'm with Ambar on this one because I know this is what she's thinking. When it comes to red zone offense and efficiency, until we've seen it, we haven't seen it.
1: Yeah, I would agree and definitely agree because <laughs> it's one of those – It's getting to that point where, okay, this is just becoming ridiculous. Every time something weird happens, you're like, are you kidding me? Because you see it. We see it from a bird's eye view. And and we see, okay, where the issues are happening, or we think so. And they're always so close, but it hasn't happened. Um, So I would agree. Red zone, just because that is a trend, that is something that has been reoccurring back to back. Last week, we did see some improvement, but it's not fixed yet.
3: Man, the biggest fear I ever have in a game is somebody running the football on me. And I just worry about somebody once again kind of figuring out how to unlock the Dallas front. I don't Mm. think that the Giants – the Giants initially tried – Uh, You know, the Jets never got to it, which was surprising. Mm -hmm. The Arizona Cardinals said, okay, we've got a way that we don't have to take you one-on-one. We'll pin and pull you. Uh, We'll put guys in the backfield. We'll create mismatches in certain spots. I worry about 49ers being really creative with their running game because mm-hmm. they will pin and pull. They will use use check. They will use Kittle. They will use Debo Samuel. They I, I just, they, I think that there's so many different ways that they get to the running game, it causes you to have issues. I think the red zone offense will be fine I think there's some bad luck along the way I think there's some execution I think there's some actual decision making that's, that's, that's hampered the Cowboys when you watch them play I think the red zone offense will be fine the creative running team bothers me because they when you jack with the Cowboys eye level on defense and make them move and react you can sometimes take advantage and I think that's what this bunch has the capability of doing I'm with you Brian here we go final question Order these teams in the second quarter of the season
4: from most challenging to least. You're at San Francisco, who's four and 0 You're at the Chargers, who are two and o, two and two. You're at the Ram. I'm sorry, the Rams are here, two and two, and then you're at Philadelphia, four and o. Rank them from most
3: challenging to least challenging. 49ers, Eagles. Uh, who else did you have there? The other Chargers, Chargers and Char- Rams. Chargers, Rams. That's what I would go.
2: Okay. For most to the least, 49ers, Eagles, yeah, Chargers, Rams. Yeah. I'm
4: right there with you. Same, same yeah. order. No, 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 no. Nobody wants to put Philly ahead of, of. Uh,
1: Philly doesn't San make Francisco. my hands sweat. Okay, <laughs> no, the 49ers no, but here, do right now. Why,
4: I mean, mathematically,
2: the Philly game is slightly more important because it's a division game. And if you win that and game, and then the, it's kind of the, the point the win, I was getting at too.
4: Like, there's also when you're playing division teams, there's a nut they know you, yeah. and yeah. so and so you're not you. You see a lot of things happen. That's why Washington plays Philly the way they play Philly, yeah, right?
3: So does that does that in any way I, change? I that think for Dallas you? has a good no. handle on how to play. Right. Philly. I was yeah. going to say they, I really you've seen them really yeah. do. Philly. and I think Philly has a little bit of the factor on defense that they're scared because their secondary isn't really playing well right now. Yeah. And if Dallas can protect and Dak the way he's throwing the ball. Then there's going to be some problems there for Philly, uh, San Francisco. I call them yeah. the I call them the bully. Yeah, you know, you, you, this is a bully team. They 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 don't they don't care. They they win a lot of games. They win ugly games. They win physical games, and they've knocked you out of the playoffs the last two years. I think there is some. If Dallas goes and finds a way to win this game, then at the end of the year, if these two teams meet, we don't sit there and talk about. Dominance of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It reminds me so much of the 2014 when the Cowboys went to Seattle and they beat up on Seattle up there. Mm-hmm. They ran the ball with DeMarco Murray. They just pounded. And if Dallas would have just got past that Green Bay game, which they probably should have or, and very well could have, if they had to go play a championship game at Seattle, I think they were going to go beat Seattle that day just yep. because of how well they played. And and in Seattle's mind, they were probably glad they didn't have to play the Cowboys again. And I, I think San Francisco. Francisco, you need to have that same kind of thought find a way to win this game find a way to create a little doubt get people off your back at the end of the year if you have to play them again that you know it's well hey these two teams matched up a great dallas victory you know the yeah. positivity that way you lose this football game and you lose it bad Now the the, the doubt even is deeper in your soul. Well, it's that
1: whole buildup. Two years in a row, they get beaten. Last year, I mean, Cowboys were able, backup quarterback or not, they were able to beat Philly. So it's just a factor of two years in a row, they basically... Every
3: season you have a win you probably shouldn't have gotten. And you have a loss you shouldn't have had. Mm -hmm. I think Dallas just had their loss they shouldn't have had with Arizona. This could very well be the win that they probably didn't think they were going to get when you started going win, loss, loss, win. When you were starting to do that and you're breaking down the schedule.
2: For me, bottom line is Philadelphia isn't the boogeyman for the Cowboys. 49ers are the the, the boogeyman right now.
4: All right. That's a wrap. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll start getting into Cowboys versus 49ers. Tomorrow we'll get into the Cowboys offense versus that tough 49ers defense. We'll be back. Till tomorrow for Patrick Walker, Brian Broaddus, Amber Garcia. I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been the break live on DallasCowboys.com radio.
0: This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!